Well, hello, everyone. So excited that you've joined us. If you're joining us online or at East or on TV, so excited that you're here. And I'm just excited to be able to preach as we continue in our series all about God, talking about the different attributes and characteristics of God. And there's been a scripture that's kind of been the landing spot for us. What's interesting is if you study this scripture, it was actually a landing spot for the whole Jewish nation. How they understood God, they would always go back to this verse. So I want to show it to you. It's in Exodus here. It says this, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So we've talked about God being uh, compassionate. We've talked about God's mercy. And so we're going to focus on this next part, uh, slow to anger. Uh, And if you just sit on this passage a little bit, it's actually referenced 27 different times within the Bible. It's actually one of the most quoted reference verse in the Bible, because the Jews would always come back to it and go, this is who God is. And so when we're talking about slow to anger, I think it's a conversation that uh, it brings up a lot of different emotions. I think some of us, uh, maybe we grew up in a way when we hear that, we think of God's wrath, his punishment, his anger, and we just kind of start going down a road that's kind of like, oh man, yeah, I remember that, I don't like that, or I'm still there a little bit. Or there's another side of it, it's like, I don't know if his anger even exists. He's just all loving. And so either side of this, I give kind of the extremes, either side of this, I would say it's not necessarily the best. And I think the important thing is, what does it mean when it talks about slow to anger? And one of the aspects we're going to focus on, okay, when we talk about God's anger, what does it look like? What does it mean? How do we understand it? And so the first part of it, let's just talk about our brain for a little bit. So uh, there's a part of this, uh, there was a study that was done that looked at people who saw God as wrathful, uh, punishing, anger, and it actually had a major effect on them. Um, But there's some pieces that I need you to understand so you can understand the study. So this part of your brain right here, the anterior cingulate cortex, the ACC, this is the part of your brain that actually begins to understand uh, these things, love, compassion, empathy, sympathy. Uh, These are where you learn how to even right and wrong, how you kind of form that. Uh, that's the part of your brain. Now, there's another part of your brain called the limbic system, which involves a lot of this area down here. Now, this area, here's what it does. Uh, it is where fear, aggression, anger, irritability, insecurity, lust, jealousy, arrogance, and selfishness all go right in this area. And it's kind of the reason that is there. It's the drive to survive. So this part of your brain, when fear comes, all the things, the adrenaline starts pumping, this part of your brain starts working and starts taking over. So the study was done, and here's what they concluded. Uh, it was done by Dr. Newberg and their colleagues that, um, that when they studied this, people who had this idea of God being angry and God being wrathful, God being punishing, this part of their brain was slow to develop. To me, it's just mind-boggling. God created the brain. And if we are only sitting in this area where we're thinking about surviving, because, okay, if God is angry and I do something wrong, I go into survival mode. So we live this life constantly in fear of going, what if the shoe drops? What if I sin? What if I make a mistake? And the danger in living this way is you don't understand God's love. This part of your brain 
is even slow to develop in that sense. So that's why it's important that we have this. When it talks about God's anger, it's not that he's an angry God. But there will be moments he's angry. But if you only see him as that, you take away understanding his love. Now, the other side of this, though, we can't just go, well, God's then never angry. No, he is. Because look at this in the Bible. It talks about this. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. This means there were days that God is angry at all of us because we're sinful, we're wicked, and he is frustrated with us. So I think to have this belief that God is just loving, there is no hell, there is no, he just doesn't get angry at us. That's because it's not true. I also would argue, if you only see God as loving and don't think he ever gets angry, then I think you're going to be a little uh, weirded out when you see that God is also just. Because I think it would be weird to believe in a God, this is just my opinion, but if to go, hey, I love him, he's awesome, but if you see something wrong in the world and your response from, you're expecting from God because he doesn't get angry is to go, okay, well, I guess that happens. We don't love that. We, we want a God. We want to believe in a God who cares about injustice, who we want fighting. We want him to get angry. Because we didn't. There'd be a weird relationship. The danger is believing that there's a God who just doesn't care. Because the opposite of love is not anger or hate. It's apathy. And so in this conversation, I think for us to understand God's anger, at first is we can't go down this road of he is just this wrathful, angry God, and we constantly live in fear. But we also can't dis discredit his justice either and just go, he's all loving. We're all just going to hug trees at the end of this. You're like, it's not that either. It's this middle ground of going, it's okay for him to get angry. He should get angry. When he sees sin in the world, when he sees the wrongs that are going, he should be upset. And so we land here, but then there's still, I think, a little bit more to understand because we usually like to project what we experience in life, how we get angry about things, and we go, that's probably what God does. The truth is, we're very different. How God gets angry and how we get angry look drastically different. And so I want to kind of spell that out a little bit more in going through um, the story of Jonah to give you some details uh, of the story and why we're going to walk through it is because um, Jonah was a unique prophet, uh, be partly because he wasn't good at it. <laughs> Let's say it that way. Uh, if you want to get an example, it was in the Bible. Uh, there's a moment where King Jeroboam was asking, he's the king of Israel, asking his prophets, hey, what is God telling you? What's the prophecy about a war that we're about ready to go into? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Jonah's over there giving this, like, king, you will be, do amazing. You will win. You will be awesome. It will be incredible. You're a great king. Uh, another prophet that you could read his book, too, uh, his name was Amos, goes, that's not true. You're a horrible king. You're awful, and this will not go well for you. What played out? Amos' side of things. Jonah's over there like, well, I missed that one. Um, 
And then if you read Jonah's story uh, and, and just his book, typically a prophet would write and tell you, here's what was going on in the nation or here's what's going on. God's giving me these words. I share with you these words from the Lord. Jonah's book literally has five words from the Lord that he says. That's it. His book is unique because it's about his story, a moment in his life. And what we see in this story is God getting frustrated and angry with Jonah, and Jonah getting frustrated too about what's going on in his life. I think it starts to show the differences that are going on. So I'm about ready to jump into it, but to give you just a little context, here's what's happening. God has just told Jonah, hey, you need to go tell the Ninevites, city of Nineveh, that they are going to be destroyed in 40 days. That was the prophecy he was supposed to go tell them. Jonah hears it, goes, okay. And then this is his response. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So this is where we begin kind of this first uh, piece of understanding God's anger. As you see it, Jonah goes, yep, okay, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not. And just walks away from it. And you realize this is God's prophecy that he wants to this city, and Jonah just disobeys it completely. Then you see his anger began to, he causes a whole storm to happen on this boat. So here's one thing I want you to, to realize first. God's anger is only provoked by sin. Our anger is provoked by circumstances. Just play this out a little bit. God only gets anger when there is sin happening. When we disobey or he sees injustice, he sees pain being caused, hurt being caused, when sin is happening, God gets angry. We get angry about a lot of things. I mean, we even have phrases that we woke up on the wrong side of the bed. God goes, I don't know what that is. There are moments where we go into a situation, you maybe started a project and you don't get it done. That's frustrating. That makes you angry. God goes, I've never had that. Uh, you go into a conversation, you go, man, I feel like we understood that. You walk away, you find out, no, we didn't understand that. There's a huge misunderstanding. We get frustrated by this. God doesn't. He goes, I was very clear. He understands the whole situation. So our anger is very different from his. It only comes from one area, sin. And like I said earlier, we want him to get upset about that stuff. Especially when it's a sin done to us. But we also got to recognize if we're the one hurting God, he's going to get angry at us too. We see it in Jonah's circumstances. I mean, you think about it, he probably was upset too. Now he's like, oh, I went on this boat. Now we're in a storm. Ugh, frustrating. Uh, to give you uh, even more examples of this, um, I have four kids. Nora right now uh, is a one-year-old. She's our youngest. Cute little picture of her. 
Uh, she, I would say she is innocent, she's beautiful, she's all those things, but there is one thing that we don't understand why she gets so upset about. Just to show you just how anger comes from all different areas uh, and just randomness sometimes. We have another daughter named Avery, she's four. And whenever Avery gets mom's attention, Nora decides, uh-uh, this is not how it's gonna play out. So she will go over to mom, start pushing Avery off mom, crying and demanding, you get off mom's lap, you get away from mom, because mom is mine. Now I remind you, we have two other kids, Emma and Corbin. She does not care if mom gives attention to them. It's only Avery. Poor Avery. Anytime she gets near, it's like Nora's like, don't you think about it. <laughs> and I look at that, and that's just an example. We just get so upset just by circumstances. Things happen. And so sometimes I think we project that onto God. God just must be upset at us. Must have done something wrong. No, he's only upset with sin. That's what makes him angry. And I think sometimes we decide, take Nora's story, it's directed at somebody, and so we think sometimes God's just directing the anger at us. God's never angry at you. He's angry at the sin. And I hope for some of you, maybe you needed to hear that. Because God is only angry at the sin. Remember that. The story kind of keeps going, and so this violent storm is happening, and the sailors start to freak out. They're like, this storm is nuts. This storm is crazy. They're starting to cry out to all the gods that they believe in. They even draw straws to be like, who's the problem on this boat? And Jonah gets picked, um, which is just crazy in itself. Uh, and then Jonah starts to uh, kind of explain kind of what happened, and so here's what he says <laughs> to the sailors. He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. You've ever had a moment to where someone said something, and you were like, and you still decided to do this? He controls the dry land and the sea, but you thought, good idea, let's run from him. <laughs> because dry land, sea, there's got to be some place I can go where he doesn't exist. So it's just a funny statement, but I'll move on. Uh, this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. I want you to catch, because this will be a theme throughout. If you read, I, I encourage you, go read Jonah. This is a theme throughout the whole book. The people who are least expected to react to God in a healthy way are the ones that do it, the sailors. They're going, why? Why are you doing this? You need to change. They're the ones trying to figure out. And Jonah's over here like, eh, all right. Yeah, that's kind of stinks. And so uh, here's another piece of this. God's anger will always reveal the truth. Sailors did not know what was going on, didn't know the full weight of it. But you realize it got revealed even to a bigger point to where now they're going, this must be the one real God. Think about it. Sometimes we're like, why did the storm? Why did well, maybe because it was a moment for the sailors to understand who the God really was, who the one true God is. 
And what's funny is God's been trying to get Jonah's attention the whole time, but he's also now getting the sailors' attention. And their response is going, we need to do something. You, you need to, how do we fix this? They're dropping to their knees, asking, what can we do? We need the truth. We need to know what to do in this situation. But see, our anger sometimes gets trapped in the deception. I don't know if you've ever had a moment to where you've been angry and you don't even know why you're angry. It's happened probably. That's kind of that kind of whole idea of like it's deceiving us in some levels. I don't even know what I'm angry about, but I'm angry at you, you know? See, our anger can get so wrapped up in something that's way out of whack, but God is going, the reason I'm angry is because I want you to understand the truth. This sin happened, you need to know the truth. Because if we don't know the truth, then more lies, more deceptions start to pile on. Our anger is typically bent towards, I want revenge, I want guilt, I want these things wrapping underneath it, instead of going after, what is the truth? How do we solve this? How do, what do I need to do in this moment? You see the difference in this. The sailors are acting that way. Jonah's over here still trying to go, how do I get out of this? There's a passage in, Rome, in Romans that I want us to sit through and, and process a little. God, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. This to me is convicting. Because even as a pastor, my goal, my hope is always to never take any of you down a road that would suppress the truth. But are there moments where I've deceived myself? Sure. Where I've lied to myself? Yes. And so a passage like this, I think, um, causes me to drop to my knees and go, God, help me. Because even in the world we live in right now, truth is so hard to find. Um, we don't know what it is. We don't even know if it's real or if it exists. And God's over here going, yes, it does. And so one of our responses is not letting our anger get in the way and, and think, making things about things that it shouldn't be, making it about politics or making it about whatever decisions we should be making to make the earth right. Some of it should be just dropping to our knees and go, God, reveal us the truth. Because maybe I don't have it right. This Passage keeps going, and this is where, to me, it gets even a little bit scarier. Uh, verse 24, 25, so God abandoned them. They kept suppressing the truth. They kept believing the lie. They kept deceiving themselves to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of the eternal praise. Amen. The convicting part is this, is like, as we worship God, as we go after, are there areas in our lives that we are letting the truth not get in, and instead, we're letting a lie dictate it, and now we're worshiping idols, or worshiping things that we think is God, but it's not really God. We're worshiping his justice, a characteristic of God, or we're worshiping too much of his love, and he's going, that's not just who I am, I'm bigger than this. God wants you to understand who he truly is. But sometimes Satan, sometimes ourselves, sometimes other people deceive us 
And then it takes us down a road that we get angry and we're confused and all those kind of things. Don't forget, God's anger will always reveal the truth. Our anger can sometimes take us down a road. So as you navigate your own anger and helping, going, God, I need your help, sometimes it's wise to just get on your knees and go, God, I'm angry. Help me know the truth. I'll be honest, as your pastor, I'm not always good at that. I typically want to react. And I typically sometimes do it out of fear or do it out of, but I'm trying to learn. Story keeps going, and so um, Jonah is thrown off the boat because um, that was what he told the, the sailors to do. Storm stops. A whale comes and swallow him. I know the story gets really weird. Um, and so in the belly of a whale, he does not die in that moment. It's crazy. Uh, he prays. And God uh, has the whale spit him back up. He goes and tells the, goes to Nineveh and tells him, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then um, something pretty crazy in Nineveh happens. The people, and let me tell you, this city was known for being brutal. It's part of the reason uh, Jonah was probably a little nervous, a little scared to go tell these people, hey, you're going to die in 40 days. Because they were known for being uh, vicious and how they attacked people, vicious and taken over. They, just, they were known for even their kind of ways of torturing people. Like this city was pretty horrendous. But then they made a decision to repent. The king calls everybody, you need to get to your knees, we need to be praying, asking that this God will not destroy us. So then this is what happens. Um, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This is the part where we go, we've talked about God's anger, but now we're going to slow to anger. God's anger can be restrained. If we choose to go after forgiveness, we choose to go after God, I've humbly come before you. You see it over and over in the Bible. He will restrain that anger. And then you'll find out more in the New Testament. He put all of his anger into his son so that the anger wouldn't come upon us. And his son went to the cross and died a bloody death covering that anger. So you always say, God's anger can be restrained. He will hold it back. What we deserve is death, and he holds that back and instead put it on his son. I think for some of us, we got to take that in and recognize that. But our anger, you know what happens. We seek justice immediately. we got to go make this right. we better go take care of this. That person needs to pay. And God is all about justice, but he's all about timing too, and love. There are so many great characteristics of God. He doesn't want let one just overtake him. And so you see this powerful moment, and this whole city is repenting, and it's an incredible time. Jonah has a completely different response. Because uh, there's a good chance there was probably people he knew that got hurt by the Ninevites, people who may have been killed by the Ninevites. So here's his response. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? <laughs> that is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew 
Catch this. You are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He quotes the characteristics that he has been taught probably as a young boy about God. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Can I just make sure we're understanding this moment? Um, Jonah is upset that the God he had learned about and knew is doing what he's asked, like what he knew about God, re- allowing people to repent. And Jonah's the one that's run from God, complaining to God, and now going, just kill me. Just end it. I don't want this to play out anymore. He thinks it's unfair. I don't know if you've ever been there with God. Life did not go the way you wanted it to. Didn't play out, and you're going, where are you in this? That's what Jonah felt in this moment. And uh, I think in these moments, it's, uh, we get so wrapped up in thinking what we want and what we deserve is more important than maybe the bigger picture. Because I've had moments in my life where I was looking at God, this is unfair, this isn't right. But now I can look back at him and go, God, thank you for walking me through that because I needed it and I learned a lot from it. I wouldn't want to repeat it, but I needed it. And I've learned that God's plan and even some of the things that I don't understand, and I can get angry at him, but typically what he's going to walk me through is going to be a lot healthier than me demanding justice from him. Because usually he has a pretty good plan. And walking me through it is so important. And so the story uh, continues now where Jonah is upset, but he's seeing the city not destroyed. And so now this tree starts to grow around because it was just really hot. And he's sitting there hoping that God will change his mind. So he's sitting there, it's hot, this tree grows, God allows it to grow, and then God allows a worm to eat it, the tree dies, and once again, Jonah's like, just kill me, okay? So then God and Jonah have a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah reported, even angry enough to die. (laughs) I laugh because I feel like if you're honest enough, we've probably had some conversations like this with God. We say extreme things. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. Mm. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Pause here. If you're like, I don't want you to get confused here and just go, why are we talking about animals? Uh, the Ninevites decided not only are they going to repent, all their animals are going to repent. So they had their animals put on sackcloths. and do, I, It was just a weird thing. I'm telling you, check it out in chapter 3. But there you go. That's why this part is in there. Little tidbit. Because <laughs> some of you would be stuck the whole rest of the sermon going, why are we, what happened to the animals? <laughs> I just wanted you to not get distracted for the rest of this, okay? Okay. And then... Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? I go back to this. Um, 
Because we need to understand this last piece. God's anger is rooted in love. And when our anger is unhealthy, now don't get me wrong, I think there's moments where our anger can be matched up with God and it's rooted in love and we're trying to go after the thing. But when it's unhealthy anger, it's typically rooted in selfishness. Because we want something fixed or we're scared or whatever it may be, but our anger gets rooted in something that's not healthy. And so we look at this, and sometimes we think it's unfair. We think about all this. I think there was a quote that helped me kind of put this into perspective, and I wanted to share it with you. Here's what it is. How long did God endure your unbelief before you were redeemed? If not for the long-suffering of God, we would perish. Be very thankful that God is slow to anger because he waited for you and then still waiting for you, if you have not made that choice, going, I want you to believe in me. I want you to have a relationship with me. He's patient with you. But he also is going to have a real relationship where he's going, I'm not going to be okay if you just keep hurting me or you keep sinning and hurting other people. I will talk about that with you. But this is the God who we believe in. And so the ultimate question becomes down to this. Do you believe God is slow to anger? And maybe even bigger question, what character are you? In the story I just read, are you the sailors? Are you the Ninevites? Or are you Jonah? Just sitting here going, man, God, you're just unfair. Your anger is all over the place. Or are you the one dropping to your knees and going, God, we need the truth? Dropping to your knees going, God, I'm sorry, I repent. I think there's one that's very healthy and keeps us in line with who God really is, and there's another one. The other one just takes us down a road that we are confused and maybe missing out on having a real relationship with God. So do you believe God is slow to anger? Let me pray for us. Dear God, we thank you just for who you are and how you lead us and guide us. God, I pray that you would show us where we're at in this, because we all struggle with anger in different ways, but God, also our even perceptions of your anger. May it be healthy. May it be the truth. May you show us who you really are. And God, I believe that takes us coming down to our knees and simply going, God, I need your truth, and I'm sorry, I repent. God, may we deal with the sin in our lives, but we know we're dealing with it because you are slow to anger. You are a loving God. You care about justice. All these attributes are important. And so God, help us. May we be people who understand you and go after knowing who you really are. God, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.